Um, you're listening to Apollo Bay Radio, 87.6 FM, and listening to Radio Caroline here. Um, I've got a little podcast segment coming out, and if you're listening on 87.6, you'll probably be fed up of hearing it by the time you finish. But the local council elections are coming up for Kola Shire. Um, round about the 6th of October, postal voting forms will be sent out, and... Uh, if you are a ratepayer, a resident, or a business, provided you're on the electoral roll, you are able to vote if you get a voting pack. Um, just so you know, voting closes on the 23rd of October, and we have 14 candidates standing this year, so pretty pretty full-on stuff. And with me, with Radio Caroline here, we've got three candidates, namely Stephen Hart, Chris Potter, and Graham Costin. So I'm going to ask a few questions of them just to, to make sure that um, these are the people that we want to actually vote for. So the first question I'm going to ask, and I'm going to start with Chris Potter, uh, what are your thoughts on the Apollo Bay Harbour Development Plan? Hi Caroline, uh, thanks for the question. I'm pretty happy with the plan. I'm very happy with the level of uh, community consultation and I've been privileged to be part of uh, some community groups um, and help facilitate that uh, that input. I, th I think the plan um, encapsulates um, in broad terms what the community would like to see. I think we have to be careful when we look at the designs on show to realise that some of the pictures and drawings will be a second stage and won't actually be delivered under the um, current um, funding arrangements. But in broad terms, I'm very happy with it. The connectivity between the harbour and the CBD and the foreshore, that is an issue. It's outside the scope of this, but it was important to show that uh, those connection points are included in the plan. So um, there's more work to be done on that. But the plan overall, I think, is pretty good. Excellent. And so can I ask Stephen Hart now to give his thoughts on the Apollo Bay Harbour development plan? Thanks Carolyn. Yeah, I think one of the great things about this plan is there is actually funding already committed by the government. So this is, is a plan that can be implemented. There's the designs to uh, improve the connections with Apollo Bay and improve the use around the harbour in terms of people being able to walk around and enjoy the harbour environment, moving of the depot. But I think what's really important is that the new council needs to hear people, what the community thinks about this. What do they like? What do they think may need to be changed? So that the community and the council together develop a plan that will be a, a great development for this uh, area, not only for locals, but for visitors and for many years to come. It's been a long time coming. There is funding, the planning amendment has been done, and this is the next step so that can actually be work on the ground. So I think the real issue here is that as many people as possible give their thoughts so that the council has a wide range of views when it eventually makes a decision on mm -hmm. precisely how the plan will look. Okay, thank you very much. And to Graham Costin, what are your um, thoughts on the Apollo Bay Harbour Development Plan? Thanks, Carolyn. Um, I, don't, I think Stephen and Chris haven't left much to say. I think it's a good plan. It's a, a nice scale for the town. Um, it's been many years coming. Um, with a few tweaks, it could be a great plan, a great plan. Connect, connectivity to the centre of Apollo Bay 
is one issue that needs to be addressed. Um, and there are some concerns about taking land from the golf course also, but it, uh, it, it looks very good in my view, and uh, I hope everyone um, makes constructive input into it and can make it even better. Excellent. Okay, thank you very much. So question number two, it's a bit like um, University Challenge, isn't it? Um, I'm going to start with Stephen Hart. Um, what can council do to get action on coastal erosion, Stephen? Council has an important role working with DWELP and the state government to lobby for, for um, permanent improvements that will address coastal erosion. And DWELP are in fact doing some work, they've got some plans now for some groins. I think uh, it's worth remembering that the council plan finally does include a requirement that the council drives a discussion on this issue. For far too long, Colac Otway Shire has stood back and said, oh, well, that's someone else's responsibility. I really see it's an advocacy role that the council has, bringing that up through the G21 region. Council's a member of the G21 region, which is five municipalities, several of them along the Great Ocean Road. And by having that access, by having it as a priority through the G21 region, council can have the ear of government. So there has been some money committed and DWELP is developing some plans in terms of groins to start to address coastal erosion, but a lot more work is needed. And I think this advocacy role in working with partners and also the Great Ocean Road Authority. Mm. We, we really need to see that the Great Ocean Road Authority is part of the solution and that this buck passing that has existed in the years past doesn't, okay. it doesn't happen. That was okay. part of the objectives of that authority being developed. Okay, thank you very much. And um, let's go to Graham Costin now. Uh, what do you think council can do to get action on coastal erosion? Well, I, th I think it's um, pretty much as Stephen said. Council's not directly responsible for that section of, of uh, coastal land. It uh, is under DELP and soon be under the Great Ocean Road Coast and Parks Authority. It, um, the DELP have three million this year to do some work, but it won't be all the work that's required and it won't be any work at all at Mounts Bay. So there needs to be more advocacy for a pipeline of money to come in future years also. It will take much more than three million. Okay, all right, good, good. And finally, Chris Potter, what about Coastal Erosion Council? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, thanks. Look, I think Stephen and Graham have said it all and uh, I like Graham's point about uh, actually talking in numbers. Um, we need a commitment of at least $20 million to, uh, to fight the erosion problem. But experience has shown me you can't go to the government and say, give me $20 million. Mm -hmm. Well, we've started with around three. Perhaps our advocacy needs to be stronger. We've broken down the 20 million over a few years and and let's try and up it to say commitment of five million dollars a year or something but that's councils has the role of advocacy as it's been pointed out well by Stephen and Graham that's all we can do but uh, there's ways of doing that and we need to be more vocal with uh, our politicians and bureaucrats about that okay thank you thank you very much and finally we'll start on the last question we'll start with um, Graham Costin so how will you help our community to bounce back from COVID if you ended up being a councillor? Thanks Carolyn. Well, well there's no doubt that our, our food service industry uh, businesses here and our accommodation businesses have been hardest hit. Um, 
not just along our coast but throughout Victoria. Uh, Council can assist by um, providing some rate relief firstly and that can be by interest uh, um, interest-free deferral of rates um, but it can also assist the businesses in our main street by um, making use of the car parks that are there so that the businesses can comply with social distancing rules and that's not not just our main street that's Colex main street as well because those rules apply everywhere um, council can uh, fast track permits and approvals uh, to do that also and there's many other areas where council can just advocate for more assistance to those businesses that are struggling advocate to state government and federal government okay all right interesting and i'll put that one now to chris chris potter um how would you help as a councillor if you were voted in to help the community bounce back from covid well carol i think uh, one of the keys is to getting people um, back into this region now that's um, hampered with uh, some restrictions in Melbourne and all the rest of it but uh, Victorians can move around freely now in rural Victoria a lot of the visitors to this area from Ballarat and Bendigo and I think council uh, has some money set aside for uh, promotion of the area I think we need to see that on the table sooner rather than later and, and promote ourselves to uh, Greater Victoria and ultimately uh, further afield so I think that's important to get people back um, in the area. Of course, we've got to get workers to support our businesses as well, and they've got to have somewhere to live. So it's it's a multifaceted problem. But first, let's get the people back. Okay, thank you. And finally, Stephen, yeah, COVID they, bounce back. Thanks, Carolyn. I think the first thing that needs to actually occur before Christmas is that council agrees that the interest uh, charged on rates be waived until 30th of June 2021. Currently that expires at 31st of December 2020 and if necessary that will need to be pursued by councillors before Christmas. That will give some breathing space. The other issue that I think needs to be done that hasn't been mentioned because I think Graham and Chris have covered a lot of the things is I think the council has to call a meeting together with the valuers to draw on information that um, the Chamber and businesses given through economic development because the problem with the way the valuations are done every 12 months and the problem is the valuers just look and say well look look, that property sold 18 months ago so properties are worth so much but the, the, the falling business revenue has obviously dripped down to the ultimate uh, valuation of properties and I don't think this has been picked up in the valuation of properties so far of course, the other issue in attracting people to the area has been well covered by um, Chris and, and Graham. It's, it's a great area here, we know that. People are restricted in travelling overseas. That's part of the issue here, that overseas people can't come here. So we need to up the marketing of the area locally um, to people within Australia. Okay, thank you very much. Council, oh, you, want to, you want another go? If I could. Brian? Council can also fast track some of its infrastructure projects. We talked about the Harbour project before. And um, rather than let that follow the normal course, mm -hmm. which may take some years before implementation, um, Council can work with state government to fast track that. And that's a $12 million project. And that brings a lot of money into the economy as well. It'll mm. bring workers and people to stay yeah. here. And uh, 
and many other projects. Council also needs to have a pipeline of projects ready for future grants because there will be a number of future grants and those projects need to be ready. They need to be grant application ready and shovel ready. Okay. All right. We're very good. Well, those were the three questions that I um, gathered from the community. But uh, I am just now, just to wrap this up, going to put you all on the spot. And you've sat in a certain order, so I'm just going to go down that way. Um, so I'll start with Stephen. So they've not been primed about this, everyone. Why should, as I'm a, I'm a, um, a ratepayer, why should I put number one against your name, Stephen? One of the challenges for the new council, and when we discuss elections, people look at the different candidates and think, well, if I get my candidate elected, um, that will change council for the better. The, the, the unsaid thing is the great influence of the local government system and navigating things through the local government system. We saw this as an issue with the council term that has just expired, where unless the councillors work together constructively and drive the change through council, the local government system just goes on and on. And that's not a criticism of any individuals involved, it's just a fact of how local government operates in Victoria. What I bring is um, on the, will be the, if re-elected, I'll be the most experienced councillor I know the obstacles, I see the obstacles coming before we hit them, and I know how to navigate issues through the local government system. I did that with the heated pool, driven by the community in Apollo Bay to their credit, went on for quite some years, took a bit longer than I would have liked, but we ultimately navigated that through between the, the community and my experience in anticipating the obstacles. That's what I bring. I'm the only candidate that can bring that to the new council. Uh, otherwise, you'll have councils. You could potentially have... You'll have at least three councillors with no experience and several other councillors potentially have had one terms. Okay. I'm the only one that can bring that depth of experience and indeed the corporate knowledge. I've got more corporate knowledge than some of the managers in the place. OK, thank you very much, Stephen. Um, Chris Potter? Why should I put a number one against your name? Well, Callum, I think um, I'm new to council. This is my, my first uh, term and uh, my first year was uh, mayor. Um, and I think I picked up the ball for Apollo Bay. There's, there's no doubt that Apollo Bay has been neglected by council, despite the good work by Stephen Hart over the years. And, and Frank Buchanan had a crack as well. but. Um, I serve on, on a number of committees. I was instrumental in um, in revitalising the harbour and although I live in Colac, I have a house in Apollo Bay and I get Apollo Bay. Uh, and I, I think it's important to, uh, to support that work, but it's not just voting one for me, which I encourage everyone to do. I think we have Graham as a local candidate. We have Stephen as um, a... Uh, big voice for the for the coast for a number of years in council you need more than one vote to get something over the line you've got to have support and, and I think the three people you're talking to now um, I think if we are successful in our election uh, Apollo Bay will have an enormous and the coast will have an enormous voice in council so I'd encourage you, yes, vote one for me <laughs> but uh, have a broader look and, and um, 
see who else is running and I would urge everyone to support Graham and Stephen as well. Okay, thank you very much. And finally to Graham Costin, why should I put a number one against your name? Well firstly, thanks Chris, Stephen, for those, those words. Um, between us, we all have a lot of local government experience. Stephen has the most on council. Chris has done a great job for Apollo Bay. Um, my local government experience comes from working in local government and in fact teaching local government at Deakin University for a while. So I come at it from a different direction. Um, I have had that local government experience. I've got major project management experience, project preparation um, to access external funding, um, which I think would be great, a, a great benefit for council. I'm also local. I live in Skinge Creek. Um, I've got a broad perspective also. I grew up in Colac, so I'm familiar with uh, what happened around Colac also. But um, I'm, I'm the only candidate from the coast, and with due respect to Stephen and Chris, I think if you want a candidate from the coast, you've got to vote Costin for council. Um, but put a two or three beside Chris and Stephen, please. <laughs> <laughs> okay, excellent. So let's wrap that up now. So, um, yeah, you've been listening to Apollo Bear's own community radio, 87.6 FM, and Caroline's been interviewing Stephen Hart, Chris Potter, Graham Costin, all standing for our local council elections for Colacott Wearshire. So just to recap, the postal voting forms will be sent out on the 6th of October, there or thereabouts, and voting closes on the 23rd of October. So um, thank you for listening. Apollo Bay Radio, 87.6 FM.